0: You don't get to choose when to be a leader. You have to be consistent for yourself, for your team, for your coaches. It's gonna be hard, it's not easy. Like being a leader is not easy, but you have to show up every every day and in every situation. You don't get to just pick and choose.
1: Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals. Happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle. And this week I am just coming back from the NFCA conference in San Antonio. And if my voice sounds a little tired, it definitely is. I had a blast listening and learning from some of the absolute best in the game, reconnecting with old teammates, connecting with people we've had on the podcast before. Kat Osterman was there. It was great to see her face. And so was Sam Fisher. It's always amazing to see her as well. I may or may not have even booked a few interviews with some guests we've never had on the show. And I know we're going to blow you away. So stay tuned with that. Now, this week, we are going to talk more leadership. I know we talked a lot about it last week, but my sister, Christina Burkhart, has been on the show before talking a little bit about her leadership qualities in the outfield and also as a hitter. But I, as her older sister, know how selfless and how much of a leader by example she truly is. And so I wanted to break down some of the aspects that make her that way and things that she's learned from former coaches and experiences that she's had as a player. So on the podcast today, we're going to talk about qualities that leaders by example have. Now, I think any leader should be a leader by example, but especially those who are maybe quiet that are looking to maybe be more bold with their game. I want you to know right now, you don't have to be the loudest player on the team to be a leader by example, but we're going to talk about the qualities that go into that leader by example. Also, we talk about how to build trust with those around you, which is a definite quality if you want to be a strong leader, and also how you can hold people accountable without them disliking you. That is sometimes the hardest thing about leadership is we don't say something because we don't want to make someone mad, but hey, with that trust aspect, we have to know that We have to hold our teammates accountable if we want to be a winning team and a successful one. So we talk about how you can hold those people accountable. Also, we talk about the power of humility and so much more in this episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. I know you're going to love it. Let's welcome Christina back to the show. Hey, sis. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I told you before this, I was like, I think I changed the topic of what I wanted to spend time with you on today like four times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yep. which, you know, as Burkhart girls, we have to like be able to work on the flow. So I, I gave we you a brief outline of what we plan to talk about, which is obviously leadership. And maybe it's because I'm coming off of the um, NFCA conference where I'm just surrounded by incredible leaders in the game. I don't know, including your past coaches. <laughs> but there, and also, if there's a little scratch in my voice, now you know why. I think this is a topic where you're a very humble athlete. Um, I'm pretty sure dad and mom had a huge influence on this in us. They like to instill humility in us, which made you and I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, really good leaders by example. Like we weren't always like the super loud exuberant leaders on the field, but we were always taught to like, put your head down, get the work done. And I would say that we were more of leaders by example than anything. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely.
0: I just think it like goes in with like my playing style too. Like I, in order to be like my, honestly, in order to be like my best self on the field, I felt like I needed to keep in my composure. So like, I don't think you'd ever see me like too high or too low. And like, that's kind of like how like my leadership style was too. And like, yeah, I was definitely like a lead by example, like definitely early stages of my career. But I think like, as I got more comfortable, I may have been more like vocal, but like majority. Yeah, definitely lead by example.
1: Yeah. But you weren't like freshman year, first day of practice out here talking, right? Like it was something that you had to like earn over time. And I think mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that too. And it's not like you never stood up and like got loud and said things that needed to be said. It was just a matter of making sure you knew when the right time was. And I feel like you did a good job of that.
0: Yeah. From what I, I think we talked about. Like, I think that's like a misconception with like leadership is like there are times and places to be, I don't know, vocal. Like in my opinion, I didn't think I needed to like stop practice to voice my leadership like that just like wasn't like my style but like for others like it is I think it's just like your comfortability like as a as a player and a person so
1: yeah yeah so would you call a leader by example like a quiet leader too
0: yeah and I think yeah I know I know quite a few. like I've played with quite a few leaders who I think are incredible leaders and they were more on the quiet side and definitely like led by example. Like they let their actions kind of like speak for
1: themselves. Mm -hmm. Were they older teammates of yours that you learned from and maybe adopted some of those things from, or could it come from somebody under you? Yeah.
0: A few were, um, a few are, or were younger, were younger than me. So it's kind of like cool to see how that leadership style can be seen in both like underclassmen and upperclassmen.
1: Yeah. And I think what's neat is like, obviously, you played for two teams, Michigan and UNC, Mm -hmm. and two totally different programs, two totally different cultures. Mm -hmm. But what I think I admired most about you is like, you never changed your leadership style for either team. Like, (laughs) and you will, you went into a really tough situation in Michigan where you have one year, right? Like, you have one year to kind of like prove yourself. And I feel like, if anything, you were like living your best life at this school because you were exactly who you are. And yeah. you were allowed to be who you are, which you you always were. But I think that's just neat, and I think this is why you have such good perspective on leadership itself. Because even though the culture had changed, you didn't change. And I think, yeah. and I think that's the constant that I want to definitely share in this message of this episode.
0: No, that kind of hit home for me. Like <laughs> I think, like the reason that I loved Michigan so much because it is hard. It is hard to go onto a team for one year. Like coming in, I was like, I have no idea what they expect from me. I don't know if I'm going to like get along with like the seniors, like, cause I was coming in as an experienced player, but then you have to mesh with the seniors who have already established themselves and their leadership styles on the team. But I think what worked so well is that that, that senior class, and I give credit to that senior class, like wholeheartedly is like, they are all different. And, I didn't feel like I had to be some someone or a leader that I wasn't because like, like for Taylor, Taylor, for example, like she was the vocal leader. So I didn't feel like I had to like, I don't know, match that. Like I could be my leader, leadership by example, because her leadership style, like we meshed together and like the entire senior class, I felt like we brought something different, Mm -hmm. which resonates with the younger girls. Like they didn't feel like they had to be... One type of player, either because they had seniors to look up to who were like either just like them or had like the same leadership styles or just like things like that. So like, I felt very comfortable fitting in with that senior class. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. and you all were leaders in such different ways. Like yeah. like you were saying with Taylor, which is I'm so glad you mentioned that because you know underclassmen that are walking in, which you had such great release relationships with every single class. Like it, that's like one thing that not every leader can say, and I think that because you were your whole self and Taylor was her whole self and everybody else on that on that senior squad like you all knew who you were which therefore allowed the freshmen just now walking in to learn that oh I don't have to be like Taylor or Christina like I can be myself and I can mm-hmm. learn from each one and mm-hmm. I'll be more attracted to you know I'll I'll throw with or hang out with most like the people that I do relate to a lot but it allowed the underclassmen to kind of just like be themselves um, yeah, which I think is super cool. Now with going straight into Michigan, like loyalty is one of the like biggest parts of leadership. How are you able to create that loyalty and just relationship building from day one? Do you have yeah. any examples? I don't know. I'll probably come up with
0: like specific examples as I start talking. But I think like <laughs> the biggest thing was I didn't want to come, like I knew Michigan had an established culture. Like, they're a historic team. They're a successfully historical team. Like I didn't want to go into there and not embrace that or go into it and try to like change it. Like that, that that would just be like stupid of me to want to come into this program and like not embrace their culture, you know? So like every standard that they sat me down, like my first day of practice, it was just for me and the freshmen. And it was just, like, the lay of the land, basically. Like, they wanted us to be able to, like, step foot in, like, the first full team practice and, like, have a sense of, like, what they expect from us. And I thought that was, like, incredible. And so that first day, like, the coaches, like, Bonnie, Hutch, Biggie, Faith, like, they were like, this is why we do this. This is, you're going to keep this part of the locker room, like, it has to be clean all the time, like, 24-7. And it's just, like, little things like that. And instead of, like, me being like, oh, like, say we didn't do that in my like previous school, like that didn't matter. It was just mm-hmm. like, you are in this new culture and on this new team, like you have to be able to show like, I don't know, respect in a way. Like I, I felt like that was the easiest for me to be able to like transition and like fit in with the team was just like embracing it and not really asking questions. And I mean, that's kind of honestly how I bonded with the freshmen. Like it's literally like one fifth year or six, six year senior, in a first day of practice with just all freshmen. And Mm -hmm. so like I was able to bond with them and like build a relationship with them because we're new. Like I didn't like, yeah, I'm an experienced player, but I'm just like them. I'm new to Michigan. So like, I didn't want to come in and like have this like superiority over anyone because like, I don't have that leverage. Like I have that maybe leverage maybe like on the field playing softball. But like when it comes to like everything else that Michigan had to offer, like, I, I didn't have that i was I was brand new just like them, so I think that's how I was able to like build a relationship with the underclassmen as well, which helped me kind of like fit into like my leadership role in the end.
1: yeah, I love that the coaches introduced the standard day one,
0: yeah, um, day
1: one that's so good, and you know now that you have like learned the standard, were you given situations throughout the year where you were you know told or? you just felt like you needed to hold everyone accountable to those standards cuz now you knew them. I'm sure you were given like situations throughout the year where like you had to make sure that the standards were being fulfilled. You know, when someone slips up or you even slip up like mm-hmm. were there moments like that where you know you needed to make sure that, you know, everybody knew the standard or even you slipped up on the standard and you're like, "Oh yeah, like this is how we do things here." Was that ever tested?
0: I wouldn't say like it it was tested on a huge level. But yeah, like there are like little moments where like even throughout the fall, and I was still pretty like pretty new at that time. Like there were just situations, for example, like not sh- like everyone showed up on time. We didn't have like problems with like people showing up late. But it's just like, are you going in maybe like fifteen minutes before practice actually starts and like warming yourself up that way you are ready for practice type of thing. Yeah, and like obviously some days are different. Like I don't expect everyone to every day do that because, you know, they're coming straight from class or just like things like that. But just like, there are times where people are just kind of like in the locker room just to be in the locker room. And it's just like, we can be out there like getting better for like 10 minutes before practice and stuff like that. And this is kind of where my lead by example kind of like played in. Like I didn't like go up to them and was like, I think you need to be out there. I would either like go up to them and just be like, Hey, do you want to come with me 10 minutes before practice and go hit. And like, they're more inclined to do that. And that was like more comfortable for me. Like I, I could never go up to somebody and like be like, uh, I don't like that you're in here. Uh, you need to be out there. Like I'm not that type of confrontational person, mm-hmm. but I would like go up to them and just be like, hey, I'm about, I'm about to do this. Like, do you want to come with me? And like nine times out of 10, they'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like I'll be out there in a second. And so like, I was very comfortable with this team just because of how accepting they were. And that's why I felt like I was able to like do that.
1: I love that. And when it comes down to building relationships, did you guys do anything like, and this could be for UNC too, because I know you have two great programs you've come from, Mm -hmm. but are there any like specific like instances or, you know, team parties or team get togethers or whatever that allowed you to kind of like be who you are rather like outside of softball that allowed you to build relationship? Because without relationship, you don't and trust, you don't have you know a great team or leadership right by itself. So, do you have any like specific you know instances? Mm-hmm. You don't have to share all the details, right? Like it's your <laughs> team thing. Like right. you don't have to be specific. But did you guys plan that type of stuff? How often did you guys do that?
0: I will say the biggest difference I saw between like my teams at UNC and then my team at Michigan was the involvement with like the entire team. So like at UNC most of our like get togethers, it seemed uh, like forced by the coaches because like the coaches like wanted us to be a team that connected. Mm-hmm. But once they kind of like said that to us, it just felt like every time the team got together it was forced. Yeah. And like I would hang out with any of them any, any, any day, any time. Like I was very close with like all my teams at UNC, but like just the fact that the coaches like kind of like initiated, hey, you guys need to be hanging out more. It just seemed like forced and it kind of just like set us up for like not everyone was able to buy into it. And that was like such a shame because like there were such great girls on that team. And like I think I honestly think like our records and just like our teams in general could have benefited more if we had like more like fulfilling like hangouts together.
1: Yeah. Like and they were player led. Rather than
0: and, and like player led, which like they were in a way, like we didn't like obviously the coaches like weren't with us and we would hang out, but it just like it just like from the get go, it just didn't seem like it was player led or like I don't know, something that we did was going to get back to the coaches. And it just like it just was kind of like a rough, like a rough thing for us. Um, and mm-hmm. we could never get past it, which was such a shame. But mm-hmm. I noticed like at, at Michigan, our group me. Anytime someone had a plan, anytime someone just like wanted to go get sushi or just like, just like random stuff like that, like it was always sent in our team player group me. So like yeah. everyone was invited.
1: Was it open to everyone? Um,
0: That's cool. Open to everybody, which was like, like, was such a like different thing for me because like everyone has cliques and like, we still had like people that we like naturally just like hung out and did things with, but... I will see there was at least like two or three things every week that was like sent in the group message. And it was like, anyone's welcome. Like we're doing this, like we're studying together or just like we're going to eat or just like things like that, which I think just like naturally made us just so much, so much closer. Mm -hmm.
1: I wonder if like there's a way, because there's a lot of coaches like listening. I wonder if there's a way to like have your team do that without forcing it. Cause I think there's like a fine line because I don't know if that's like, you know, that probably was just like the fact that, you know, the seniors now they've, they've spent four years doing this or five or six for some of you. Mm -hmm. um, And that's just like what they do. 100%. Yeah. But like, I I hope that like players listening are like, Oh yeah. Like we can do this. We can put this together and kind of lead this type of stuff. But I'm trying to figure out like, how can coaches help their team develop this without like Mm -hmm. forcing it? Cause I'm sure UNC was just like, Hey, like, Make sure you guys hang out, and then it felt forced. But like, how how do you think that that goes about? Like, how does how does that happen?
0: Yeah, and like, I don't think like I do not think that the coaches like I like my coach at UNC like did that.
1: No, they didn't do like, it intentionally. No, not they just perceived as all. Yeah,
0: but yeah, like they could tell like at practice they're with us, they're with us like four hours a day, and they can kind of mm-hmm. tell that like we're just like not that close like we don't like mesh well together and it's just like do you guys like hang out like <laughs> like outside of softball and it's just like yeah like we do but like probably not as much as we should and so it was just like yeah like I don't I don't know how to I, I don't I don't know what the answer is for that um <laughs> but like, I do think like because it was a standard at Michigan from like the get-go like those those seniors had been doing that since their freshman year and like I Taylor has also mentioned that like that was probably like, the closest team that she's been on to so, like obviously mm-hmm. it's not gonna be perfect her whole five years yeah. or like every year you're not gonna be close with everybody. But I think it's still offering the option to hang out as a team as much as you can is necessary. And obviously when it gets to the spring, it's a lot dif- like it's a lot different because you were literally with them twenty-four mm-hmm. seven, traveling, practice, playing, like You do need time to yourself. So I think the biggest like team building semester is that fall semester.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. Cool. Well, I love, I love that you guys were able to, or you're even describing how like every team's different. Mm -hmm. Every team's going to flow differently. But if there's a player listening right now, I hope that you're like maybe repeating this part in your head or rewinding because it is, I've noticed the best teams are player led, like and even the best coaches have said that out loud. Like when I say the best, like Hutch, I've seen, I've heard Mike Andrea say it. I've, I've heard, you know, top basketball teams in the country say it like the best teams are player led and they are the ones who hold the standard. They are the ones who, you know, put together the get togethers, you know, and of course you have team stuff or like team Christmas team, all this stuff, which is great. But like unless you know people like outside of the game it's very hard to lead them yeah which which brings me down to like this love and humility aspect I feel like you know I'm a huge brene Brown fan and she talks about vulnerability all the time and how the biggest connection is found when you're vulnerable and mm-hmm. now obviously like it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable right from oh, yeah. anyone whether you're a coach player parent oh, yeah. like I, but I find the most connection built is when you're describing something that you went through or that was hard. Yeah. Um, and I feel like maybe you had a lot of that going into Michigan because you had such good bonds with your teammates. You know, were you that player that shared your vulnerabilities? How did you share that? You don't have to share what your vulnerabilities were. <laughs> um, but do you think that's an important aspect to leading, but also like building relationships with your teammates?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's honestly like one of the biggest factors that goes into leadership and just like bonding with your team in general. Like, I think it's easier, at least for me, it was easier to build one-on-one relationships with my teammates, especially the younger ones, before I needed to call them out on something. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like, that was like the easiest thing for me was I spent like quality time with the person individually first and then yeah like on, on a one-on-one basis you're more inclined to be m- more vulnerable like in a mm. group setting like group setting count me out like i am not i cannot show vulnerability i can show vulnerability to every single person in that room one-on-one but when it comes to like in the group setting like you will not be hearing from me and that's just like <laughs> That's just like my, I don't know, my rate of comfort, comfortability. So I, I guess like my leadership style was like getting to know a person on that, like love, trust, you know, honesty level, like one-on-one. And I think that helped me. And I honestly think that helped like my younger classmen too, because like seeing like a senior wanting to get to know an underclassman, like that's huge for them. Like they... They're coming here, they know nobody. This is our first time ever competing for an elite like division one team or just like any any division, any team, like this like they don't know what's going on. You do as a senior, like even as a junior, like you know what's expected from you. So like the least you can do is guide, guide your freshmen or guide your sophomores in a way. And that just like sets up your team, teams to come. Like even after like I'm done graduating, or I obviously am graduated, like. I still keep in touch with like our younger classmen and like they'll come to me like, like they're like, am I doing this okay? Like, like this, this situation happened. Like, is that how I should have done it? Like, and like they're still learning and like you never just like stop being their friends. Even, even though I'm not on the team anymore, like they're still like some of my closest friends. Like, I want them to be able to come to me with everything. But how I got there is because I took the time to like build relationships with them and like share just some experiences that I went through that they can now resonate with. And mm-hmm. I think when you find that, like when you find stories and share stories with one another and it's like, Oh, I, I went through something similar, but like, to you, like, it just like makes your understanding of them and of, of each other, like stronger and just kind of like helps with like the seamless relationship throughout, throughout your career. So.
1: Yeah. And I think, Coaches can also do this with their players, obviously not to like a, there's, there's a certain extent or, you know, ceiling there, but, you know, I think coaches that I responded to better shared a little bit about their personal life. You know, they, they didn't just like, and I had a coach in my life who we would show up to practice. We knew nothing about her. She knew nothing about us. She didn't want to know anything about us. And, you know, that was not the coach that we ended up being the most successful with. And I didn't either as a player. And I think there's something special about, you know, again, you don't have to know all the intricate details, but it's just like, you know, I just love when Hutch was always talking about her dog, like to me, because Mm -hmm. I have a dog and we bond over the dog, you know, (laughs) Yeah. but it's like, and I'm not even her player. So was, was that an example of, you know, coaches in your life that, you know, bonded with you over certain things? Like, is that a commonality between great leadership that you've seen?
0: Yeah. And I also think that like changes within players though, because I personally didn't really share a lot of like, I don't know, deep personal stuff with my coaches, but I think I've had very close relationships with majority of my coaches over Mm -hmm. the years. And like, I guess I didn't really have to like share, you don't have to share like super vulnerable things or very personal things, but just like, I honestly think just having like conversations with them on the side. Cause like I mostly talked about softball with them, but I think it's just the fact that I initiated conversation, like one-on-one conversation kind of just like built respect with one another. So like, I personally wasn't a player who shared, like, I, I mean, we grew up not really like sharing like a lot about ourselves. So like, and they didn't, and they didn't expect that from me either, but that's just kind of like who I am. Like there are some players who I've played with who like sit in the coach's office and just like, share about their weekend or their holidays and stuff like that. And I think that's like totally fine. Um, as long as like, there's like a boundary there, but like for me, I was just fine. And I have great relationships with my coaches and I didn't feel like I had to like overshare things about myself or just like my family. But I do think like, like Bonnie, like she remembers everything. Everything like, like, You can tell her, you can tell her something that happened like two months ago and then she'll remember it and just be like, Hey, like how did that thing go? And it's just like, wow. It's like, amazing.
1: She's incredible when it comes to memory like that.
0: Yeah. And like, I, it's very genuine too. Like she like genuinely like, is just like, wait, I actually like want to know how that went. And so like, just like little things like that. She so like, she didn't have to do that every day, but it's just like once in a blue moon is honestly like a nux. it's just like, wow. Like she was actually paying attention. Like she genuinely like wants to know like what's going on in your life and just like things like that. So yeah. I appreciated
1: that. I was just about to mention the same thing about how, like, great coaches, they they make you feel special. And when they know or remember, like, a small fact about you, it doesn't have to be like this astronomical fact, but something yeah. that's personal. It's like, yeah, like that thing did go yeah. well. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's those little things. And that's why, like, we haven't even talked about what does practice look like, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. We, yeah. <laughs> we haven't even talked about, like, all this other stuff, but, like, before you can even. Get your athletes to do things that you ask them. I've learned that mm-hmm. like you have to be able to have this trust and this bond. Which is why softball is so cool because you can do this in the fall and you have games in the fall but like they don't matter as much. So that by spring, like you've built the trust, you've put in the practice, the work, you've gone through really hard things all as a team and then it's now it's time to just like play, you know? Yeah, which I think is just super rad. Stop right there. I have an exciting announcement. I will be doing a free virtual hitting clinic at the end of the month. I used to do these all the time during COVID, but... All of our work schedules have gone back into full force, so I haven't done this lately, but I'm so excited that on December 29th from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be hosting a free virtual hitting clinic that you can attend from wherever you live. Some people might attend at their local hitting spot, maybe their basement, maybe if you are blessed to still hit outside, you can join us outside. But we all will be virtual I will be hitting with you. I'm going to be inviting some of my friends to be guest coaches on this clinic. And also we're going to have a heck of a time. We're going to be competing. We're going to be writing notes down. We're going to be implementing our mental game and working our tails off and sweating a ton. If you want to be a part of this hitting clinic, you can check out the show notes or head to www.ashleybtraining.com. You can find the link to sign up. And what I'm also doing after seven o'clock So from 7 to 7.30, I'm going to open up an entire parents and coaches only event where it'll be 30 minutes of your time. And all we are going to be doing is talking about how to enhance your parent player relationship. That is a question I get often. How are you able to relate to your players so much? Well, I'm going to be here sharing with you some stories from me and my sister's upbringing and also others. So I'm so excited to host this free virtual hitting clinic along with the free parent clinic as well, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern on December 29th. And the parent clinic will go from 7 to 7, 30 p.m. Eastern on that date as well. I'm so excited. Go ahead, pause this episode and go to the link in the show notes to sign up. But I can't wait to see you there. All right, let's head back to this episode. On that same humility aspect, ironically, dad just texted me and we're gonna bring him up right now. When we were growing up, I remember dad would always instill in us, like, hey, let others talk about you. You don't talk about you. Like when when we get an award or we're in the newspaper or we're on TV, like there, there's this humility aspect of just like, hey. Like, he keeps texting me. I keep getting distracted. It's like it's top corner of my computer. Dad. Right? And you're in the same house as him right now, which is hilarious. I don't have any texts from him. That's rude. It's it's all Christmas stuff, like gifts and everything. Oh, um, yeah. He's like, what does Ben want for Christmas? But back to this. he He really did, though. He made sure that others, not that others talked about us, but that we weren't always talking about ourselves. And I think that's a leadership quality that, you know, maybe he didn't mean to instill in us, but I think goes a long way um, because it doesn't like put you over somebody or better than somebody. And sometimes when you're always sharing or posting the things that you've done, almost in a way of like, hey, look at me, it Mm kind of takes away from being a leader. Don't you think? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there's like, there's a good balance there because obviously like when good things do happen to you, like it's okay to be excited to be like, about it, yeah. yeah, and like see that your hard work pays off. But like, yeah, if you're not celebrating your teammates more than you're celebrating yourself, then I think that's like a very hard. It's I don't know. It's just like very hard as a leader to be able to like build that respect for yourself. If you're obviously always tooting your own horn and not showing it back to your teammates, like your teammates are going to notice that.
1: Your coaches mm-hmm. are going to notice that. People on the outside are going to notice that.
0: So I love yeah. that.
1: Celebrate your teammates more than yourself. And like, obviously, you want a freaking gold glove. I was sitting here at NFCA and I'm just like, how cool would it have been <laughs> if you like traveled with your gold glove and showed Rollins uh, all we were no. done? <laughs> no, I may no. have walked up to the rep and said, oh yeah, my sister's going. <laughs> uh, see, let others talk about you. But I do like that. Like that's something we should like put on a T-shirt. Like celebrate your teammates more than you. Obviously, you can be excited about the things that you're doing. Like when I absolutely when I signed to go to Purdue, like that, I was so proud of it. I was just like, I can't yeah. wait to go here. But how does what does it look like to celebrate your teammates? And you can talk about in-game situation, practice situation. What does it look like to celebrate other people?
0: I think feel like there's a lot of different ways. I know there's um, a million. It's honestly, and I've like thought about this a lot actually because I am not a like outwardly passionate person on the field. Taylor is. However, (laughs) well, she is. um, But I feel like if you look in like clips that I've rewatched just over the years of like me playing, like I get more excited when my teammates make like an out or like hit a home run than like I, I ever was like mm-hmm. me hitting like a triple or like a diving catch or anything like I usually just like run as fast as I can like back to the dugout like I don't like I don't like the attention but like when my teammates like I will never forget I'll never forget like my teammate Desi Deberry threw like was playing left field mm. and she like made a catch and then the runner at first was all, like all the way at second and so she like she threw like she threw the runner out at first and it ended up being like a double play. And I like, you can just like see me like in, in right field, like backing like first base. And I'm literally like the most excited, like person on the field. (laughs) And like, I look back on it now and like, I don't even like realize that I'm doing it, but like, I look back on it now and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen myself do that for myself, like ever. And like, that's okay. Mm -mm. Like I, like I don't, I wouldn't change that, but I think it's just like funny is I, I don't know. I'm more passionate for like, my teammates and like, I am for myself. Like, and don't get me wrong. Like when I hit a triple, like I'm very proud of myself, like internally, like I'm not like, Oh, you know, like that just happened. Like, no, yeah, no like, one, okay. I don't think yeah. anyone feels like that, but I think like outwardly, I'm more passionate when like my players and my like, teammates like succeed. So
1: I, I think know. the, I think the biggest moment where you celebrated yourself was when you hit your first home <laughs> run at Michigan because there's literally like the perfect photo, and honestly, it's kind of like a story. It's like a fairy tale because you hit a ton of home runs at UNC, and like your friends at Michigan like didn't know that, right? And so they're like, all yeah. season you're hitting the fence, you're getting crap ton of triples and doubles, and like you know even even Hutch is like, when is it gonna happen? Like oh um, God, every day, every but it day. was like it was like the. You know, it was perfect because you finally hit it, and I was there. I was so happy to be there. Anna and I were going nuts. I know, <laughs> um, but it was like this laser over right field, and you know, you're hitting home plate, and your arms are up, and your teammates are going absolutely bonkers for you. And it, it's like perfect because you spent the whole entire season hyping everybody else up, and now is like the last game at Alumni Stadium, last at bat. Last at bat, like you hit the home yeah. run, and everybody gets to celebrate you. Like that was just so perfect. I had to share I will that story. say I was very excited for that. But I honestly
0: <laughs> was like, I think it was just like more shocked at like what had just happened. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And like, it was just like hilarious. And every teammate, like when I got back into the dugout, they were like, we all swiped our yard card. Like for that last at bat, we all swiped it. And I was like, are you kidding me? What and does I was that just, mean? Like, yeah, like, Swiping
1: we- your yard card? Oh
0: yeah. Like you just, When someone's up to bat and like you just like feel that they're gonna hit a home run, like you swipe your yard card. Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, everyone was feeling it. Mm. Uh Uh-huh. Everyone,
1: (laughs) everyone was feeling it. And I was just like, okay, well then it was y'all. It wasn't me. (laughs) That's so see, you put it on your teammates. Okay. What are other (laughs) moments? Okay, so you shared Destiny's cool play, which I think was like on ESPN top ten plays too. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um and you didn't just like get hype for, you know, your average play. It was like always like the big one. Are there any other instances where you're like, oh yeah, this is easily a, I'm gonna hype up my teammates before even myself here, like what are moments where it's cool to it's cool to go nuts about something?
0: Oh, I think like anything, and like (laughs) at UNC, Coach Bark always emphasized like celebrate the little things. So like, I probably get excited for every little thing, like a sacrifice bunt. Oh, the sacrifice bunt, Taylor, it was against Maryland. Mm. I think it may have been a squeeze, a suicide squeeze, actually. But Taylor, um, the
1: power hitter of the team,
0: yeah, no, the power hitter of the team has way has a ton of walk off uh, doubles, whatever, like home runs and stuff. And had to do a suicide squeeze, and we ended up like I think tying the game, but we were in extras, and so it was like so crucial. But like it wasn't just me getting hyped; like every like everyone in the dugout, like something that seems so like small, like a. Fun, but like it carries so much and like you have to be able to execute when when needed. And so like that was like that was huge. I'll probably never forget that either.
1: Are there certain moments where like the coaches got super hype and you guys are like <laughs> laughing about it or like they're pumped? Well, Hutch <laughs> and I don't
0: know if she's always been like this or just like over like like I don't know the last few years, but like she gets so excited about things. Like so excited. Like she'll like she'll jump in the air um, On third like third base coaching third base and it's just like so funny to see but I think I think that's necessary in in some ways like obviously If that's not your coaching style like that's understandable, but the players naturally look to their coaches mm-hmm. um, and if they're like Looking as if oh well we expected that from you That doesn't really like sit well with the team it's mm-hmm. like Obviously, like, we know it's expected from us and we expect it from ourselves to execute um, whatever the coach, like, sign is to us. But it is nice and, like, reassuring to see your coach getting just excited as, like, the players in the dugout. Mm Because it kind of just, like, I don't know, it just, we all feel as one. Like, it's not, like, there's no divide where, like, the coaches show no emotion, the players show, like all the emotion it's nice to come back in the dugout and get a high five from biggie or from mj and just be like that was great like great job like it's just like it's i don't think it's bad for a coach to reassure their players like that like i don't Mm -mm. i think if i were to ever be a coach like i wouldn't be the type to like well that was expected from you or just like kind of just like doesn't go up to their players and doesn't reassure them and it can be like a routine play you know like I don't, I don't even know an example, but just like any routine play. Like, I think sometimes like there's this misunderstanding that like you're expected to complete that play every single time. And like you are, you can set that standard for yourself, but that doesn't mean that you can't reassure your players and just be like, thank you for being consistent or just like, just like small things like that. I think like Mm -hmm. goes a long way.
1: Yeah. And I think the energy that coaches give off, it's, it's definitely something that the players can then adopt as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the there's been moments in my life either coaching or playing where you know you're being yelled at by the coaches like have more energy have more energy
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like it'll be at a moment where like the game's kind of flat and and that does not perceive well for me or any of my teammates I don't know if you're different but like when no, I agree. it's kind of like that I forced agree. thing I you agree. were talking about earlier like mm-hmm. when it's forced I that's fake right like yeah. but You know, if in that moment or situation, you know nobody's making plays on defense, and then there's one play that's made, and everybody goes nuts. Like that's where you get your hype back. Like that's where you can get the energy back. And like you were saying, when the coaches do it, or you know maybe you're not hitting off of a pitcher, this the whole team they're not nobody's making contact, and somebody gets down like a bunt and gets safe. The coaches being excited about that is now going to make the players be more excited about Mm -hmm. that. And, like you said, yeah. like that's the moment where you can celebrate the little things and bring back the energy naturally without yeah. being forced. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. Now, okay, so we've built the trust, we've built the love, the relationship with our team. The last thing I wanted to share before we do our fun little five to thrive at the end is now let's talk about communication. So, when you know, like, okay, so you've built the trust, everything. When you know something, is not going well, like we're in a funk, the team's not themselves and you know, something's off, like what are, what are the ways you, and I'm asking you specifically, I'm not asking how other people do it. What are the ways you kind of, you know, step in and maybe say something or, or try to do something? What, what are you thinking in that moment to try to get your team back in it?
0: That's a good question. It's very hard. I will say like in game when mm-hmm. you notice it, And it's just like an oh crap moment, like because obviously you have seven innings to work with, and if and I think you can kind of tell in like warmups pregame, like when the team's kind of in a funk, Mm -hmm. or just like kind of like going through the motions. And as a as a leader, like that's a lot of pressure because it's just like we are about to play a very important game, and like the team, it's not like they want to lose, but you can kind of just like tell like something, something's off, like whether it's energy or um, focus or just like things like that, like you can kind of tell. And the way, and I I don't think I have like a great answer for this or like something to solve this, but I guess like how I would do it is I, we would split up in groups for, for warm up, And like, I was in the same group, like, every game and so like i got very close with those four girls and like i kind of just be like does something feel off but you kind of just like have like those small conversations with them it's just like does something feel off like did something happen today or just like what's going on and like if i got like reciprocating feedback like yeah no like something is like off and i'm not sure what it is like then like you kind of just like go to the other seniors so like I was never the type of player or the type of leader to automatically fall on the coaches when things felt like abnormal or kind of like in a funk, because I think going back to our point with the team leading aspect, like I think it's so important for teams to be able to figure that stuff out on their own. One, because I think it builds like an even closer bond because not every day is going to be perfect. You know that we all know that like it's, but how do you get through those hard times is what builds your relationship with your team -hmm. Even more. And I think, yeah, the coaches do have a responsibility there too. But I feel like we would never go to the coaches unless we couldn't, we felt like it was out of our control type
1: of thing. Yeah. Or Um, have options. Like you've tried everything. Yeah. Yeah. Need
0: advice. Cause obviously like your coaches are there. Like they're your they're your biggest leaders. They're your biggest advocators. Like they want you to succeed as well. So like I don't think it's any harm to go to them. But I think not until you exhaust all the options within the team itself. So, Mm -hmm. and every, every player can contribute to that. Obviously like the seniors or your leaders on like appointed leaders on the team, like they have the responsibility of getting the team back into gear or whatever the problem may be. But I think it's also the responsibility of the underclassmen to be able to work and collaborate with those seniors to be able to like resolve the issue whatever it may be, it can be a very small issue. It can be like a very large issue. Like I think the teams that can handle it within themselves first are the teams that are going to succeed mm-hmm. um, on and off the field. Definitely.
1: Yeah. no that
0: answered your question.
1: <laughs> it totally did. I, I really okay. love your answer. Now, not every program gets to say, yeah, the seniors can totally talk to the coaches if they have something going
0: on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. If, like you've been we've been, I would say, for the most part, like pretty lucky with that. Like, but I will say, coaches that have done it really well, like you said, they they let the team kind of figure it out. But what are things that coaches have shown you that have allowed you to to be able to talk to them without being criticized? And I, and not every coach in your life has been able to do that, neither have I and most people right. Right. But like, what are the big things or that stick out to you that have allowed coaches? And maybe it's all the things we described earlier. I don't know. But what what yeah. is it that sticks out with a coach that allows you to be able to, you know, as a senior class or just as an individual, go up to them and kind of share what's going on?
0: Yeah. And I, that's, that's like a great point because that is very tricky. And unfortunately, you're not going to have the luxury to do that on every single team. And I think it can vary every year. Honestly, I think it's how much trust does the coaching staff have with their senior class to be able to lead the team, mm-hmm. team led. So I've been on teams where I don't think I don't think the coaches had a lot of trust in a senior class to be able to lead the team on the, on their own. So then those coaches felt like they needed to micromanage a little more, which may have been necessary in some circumstances, but when you start micromanaging a team it's gonna implode honestly like so I think having genuine trust in your senior class or your leaders to be able to hold the responsibility of setting standards for your team or just or just running it in general. Um, I also think like treating us like adults mm. is is a huge factor and like letting us make mistakes because we are still learning just like they are. So if if we make one big mistake and then that's like we have a short leash. Like that's not going to do us any good either. And I'm obviously if a mistake has happened like there's needs to be a conversation had like I think there's like this misunderstanding that in order to have like a cohesive team like there can't be any like hard conversations. Like I've had plenty of hard conversations and Taylor will tell you that the like, coaches have like had very hard conversations with her in the past and like that doesn't take away the trust and respect that you have with one another. I think they're very necessary when needed to happen. And I think that just like builds trust because when you have those hard conversations, you're able to communicate like effectively what they perceive and like what we perceive. And I think like for a lot of teams who like may may struggle with the like the divide between coaches and players, I think it's just like misunderstanding honestly Mm -hmm. your perception of why the coaches are doing what they're doing is entirely different than like their intentions yeah and so i think having those hard conversations like is so necessary and they Mm -hmm. don't have to obviously be like heated conversations like you can have hard like hard civil conversations and it's like wow that's very eye-opening and i think Mm -hmm. that like trickles down to the leaders and the seniors on the team being able to have those same hard conversations with players on the team so like treating us like adults i think is a huge factor as well. Like letting us have that responsibility. And then when we slip up, we have conversations about it. And it just like builds maturity throughout the team. And I think like maturity, treating us like adults communication, and even just like love, trust, respect, I think all plays into it. That might sound like too good to be true, but like you can easily work on all aspects of those and create like a very well cohesive and like loving family team. So
1: I'm glad that you mentioned, mentioned that it's work because it is work. It is Relationships work. are work. I am married yeah. now. It is constant work. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me tell you, and the lack of communication yeah. is what leads to, you know, unnecessary thoughts. Like it's, yeah. you have to communicate, you know, whether yeah. it's your best friend, whether it's your coaches, whether it's your teammates, like communication is everything. Now mm-hmm. I want to ask this one question because it's like one that constantly comes up about communication. So can you give a prime example of what you would do as a leader by example when you know mistakes keep happening or errors keep happening? Like, what is your go-to? Like, what is your you know what do you say? What do you do? Maybe if you make the mistake and whether a teammate makes a mistake, let's say let's, let's say you make a mistake. Oh my gosh! Ball went over your head. Ball popped out your glove. Whatever. What do you do? I will say while you're thinking, Sue Anquist came on the podcast and she talked about how in practice, like literally one of the cages or you know, a certain station at practice was literally failure recovery. It was you're going Love to commit that. the area, area. What? <laughs> you're gonna commit <laughs> commit the error. And then you're going to do what you would do if you were in a game. Yeah. So they did it defensively. They did it offensively. Offensively, you can't really communicate because it's you and you in the box. But like they would go over a routine that they would do, like a physical routine, where they'd grab dirt and chuck it or something. And everybody was individual. Gotcha. And so like that is how they went over failure recovery. But she did make it known that like on defense they communicated something to someone so that they could get over okay. It. What what are things? Do you do that? Do you do some sort of that? I'm just curious.
0: In, in the outfield, it's a little bit different just because we're so spread out. So like, if, okay, so if I were to make an error and my left fielder or my right fielder were near me, I would kind of just be like, I would just kind of like let out like a deep sigh and I'm like, crap, like, you know, <laughs> and it's like something like that, just like just to let it out. Mm-hmm. And then like nine times, maybe even 10 times out of 10, like my teammates would just be like, you're good. Like it happens type of thing. And I think that goes a long way. And then I think what's really important is what do you do after that play? I feel like you have to be able to show some type of emotion when an error happens because yeah, like it sucks. Like you just made an error in front of everybody. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to feel some type of emotion in some type of way for you. So I don't think it's bad to be able to let it out however you need to. But I think 10 seconds later, you have got to be able to completely forget it. If you're Mm -hmm. sitting there sulking about it and your teammates can feel that, like I I can, I can see you. Like, I mean, I was in center field, so I kind of like see like everybody. But like if you make an error, I'm not mad about the error. I'm mad if afterwards I can still tell 10 seconds later that you made the error. Mm -hmm. Because that doesn't give confidence to me. If a ball is hit to you, I don't know what's gonna happen because you're sulking about the previous play, you know? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I don't think showing emotion when you do, um, make an error is bad, but I think it's like what you do, what you do after. And I felt like I took a lot of pride in that because I didn't like, I didn't want to show my teammates that I was still upset about it because as a leader, I have to be able to set like the highest example for them. So if I'm standing in center field, or I'm in the dugout after like a strikeout and I'm like pouting or you know sulking about something that I just did, what are they gonna do? They're either gonna do the same thing or they're gonna be like, Christina's off today. Like, what the heck are we gonna do? Like, mm, yeah. Um, it just like it, it, changes it creates the energy. like a trickle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it creates a trickle effect. So errors are gonna happen. It's the name of the game, but it's kind of just like what you do the 20 seconds after, after it happens. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people show their emotions in different ways and as long as it's you know not cussing or you know being that throwing a bat I don't really like throwing bats or helmets either but you take pride um, in those things
1: you're like yeah
0: yeah but I don't think showing emotion after an error is bad it's like a little bit
1: yeah I'm so happy I asked that question because that was such a good answer oh
0: (laughs) That was I so feel like good.
1: All, all I do is go on tangents, but <laughs> no, but it's so good. And so if you were to see like maybe a younger teammate who looks up to you and you yeah. and you see them sulking for a while, you'll have the conversation, right? Like in the dugout yeah. after the inning, be like, "Hey, we got to figure out how to get over this faster." Like because I'm <laughs> losing trust in you if you are still looking like this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you would encourage a conversation. Yeah, and one-on-one.
0: I I don't really like when you like bring more people into the yeah, into the conversation or just the attention. Like, because how would you feel if three seniors came up to you and just started bombarding you with questions or you know interrogated you about how you responded to this one my thing?
1: Gosh, like that's I intimidating. My
0: pants. <laughs> that's intimidating. So I personally like just kind of like the one on one. And like obviously when you're in a dugout, like every every player on the team is in the dugout. But like, I usually just like pull them to the side and like not whisper, but just like have like a quiet conversation like in games. Or, I mean, I had the luxury of being able to do it in the outfield. Like when a play would like bring me closer to either my right fielder or my left fielder, or just like a timeout and we can all like get together. Like that's Mm -hmm. what kind of like I would have like the conversation. Cause I think it's better to do it right after it happens then come back to it like an hour later, a day later, a week later, because then it's just like, the emotions are gone. You don't remember exactly what happened, but yeah, you're bringing it back. And then you've let this player um, sit on it for an entire week. And it's just like, well, if it was that big of a deal, why didn't you come to me sooner about it? So I think tackling the conversation as soon as it happens, if you can, Mm -hmm. is the best.
1: Yeah. And the last thing, I'm going on a tangent now, but the last thing I'll say about that is maybe if you don't have that type of relationship with this player, somebody else on the other team on the team might. Yes. And since you're on the same page of winning, like going up to the other person being like, Hey, can you have a conversation with her? Just like about getting over it faster. And like, I think that would go well too. You have to kind of know like who's going to listen to who a little bit too, um, in order to get the message out. But man, I I really love that last part. Okay. Any other thoughts on leadership? By example, before we go into, Five to thrive questions that you're like, that you're thinking about it or anything? I I mean, the
0: only thing I would say, because I, there was a time my senior year where I think the coaches wanted me to be more than just a leader by example. And like, Mm -hmm. I do understand at some points, like, you are going to have to be vocal, but that's not where my, like, that's not where I'm most comfortable. So, Mm -hmm. like, when you ask me to be something that I'm not, that year just didn't go very well for me. And I think it had a lot to do with like the expectation of me being someone that I wasn't. And I feel like I burned like a few bridges with some players just because like, I felt like I needed to be more vocal and have more openly confrontational conversations. And I hated that. And I think they hated that as well. So I guess my, my advice for that would just be like, if you're ever in that position, honestly, I wish I would have had the conversation with my coaches about it sooner rather than later. So if you're being asked to be someone that you're not, don't feel like you have like don't don't put yourself in a position that's going to make you uncomfortable and like not your true self. Mm-hmm. I think I think being able to have the conversation with your coaches and being like, "Hey, I will I will do the best I can with being vocal, being more vocal cuz I understand like the need for it, but this is my leadership style. Like how can we work to be able to combine the two without straying from like who I really am yeah your Um, authentic
1: self absolutely
0: yeah because I I think you play your best you are your best teammate when you're your true self so I felt like that year I didn't even like recognize myself and that was just something that I I feel like I often look back on so that would just be like my biggest my biggest advice you're your best teammate when you're your best self I
1: love that yeah 100% so good All right. Are you ready to do this? These five to three questions. These are all different. Very nervous. (laughs) I know. But I love this. I love this about five to three. It's like, you're an athlete. Like, and, and there are things that, you know, you shouldn't have to think too hard about. I mean, they just come, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. The first one's easy. I think where will your Rawlings gold glove permanently go? (gasps) Oh no. Okay. Well, like dream situation. Like this is where it is. Dream
0: situation. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious. Well, now you're getting into like a whole new thing because I have like, I have a plan for what my future basement will look like. Let's go, and it will be down there in a case, probably next to my jerseys. And then I also have newspapers, which sounds very old school, but I have mm-hmm. newspapers from when UNC basketball won their national championship in 2017. And I have one when they beat Duke and I have one when I graduated. So it has like my graduating class. And then I'm trying to find a newspaper of when Michigan football just won their Big Ten championship. So then I'm going to have those all framed and it's going to be like over top of like all of it. So the vision is there. The execution, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Pending. (laughs) But it will be in display in my house.
1: Definitely. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. All right. Fill in the blank. Leadership is? Responsibility. Mm, Good one. What does leadership look like outside of the field? Like one example.
0: I think just bonding one-on-one with your teammates and not talking about softball,
1: honestly. Mm -hmm. So I see you as a leader by example. Who is the first person that comes to mind when you try to think of, you know, the top leader by example that you've met or anything in your life so far?
0: Um, who I think I would it? say Abby Settlemyer, who mm. is currently still playing at UNC. She's younger than me, but I admire her tremendously. That girl has gone through so many injuries and it is so sad to see because of how hard she works and no one really knows how hard she works. Because that that's who Abby is. She might be more humble and more quiet than I am, but that girl is so good. She it works her butt off for her and her teammates and she's just like genuinely like one of the nicest people I've ever met. So yeah, I I love Abby. Abby, love you. I wish her the best season ever because she deserves it. Yeah mm, I'll have to send this to her. That's so I know fun. I was just
1: I was like, shout <laughs> out. That's perfect. What's the most recent lesson that you can think of that you've learned about leadership?
0: Oh. Um you don't get to choose when to be a leader. You can't mm. have you can't have moments where yeah, I'll step in because I know I know that I'm comfortable in this position and it's going to benefit me in a way. You have to be able to be a leader in the hard, the good, the mediocre, everything. And That is, yeah, that's something that I, I I did learn recently, but I think I could kind of like tell throughout my career, like you don't get to choose when to be a leader. Like you have to be, you have to be consistent for yourself, for your team, for your coaches. It's going to be hard. It's not easy. Like being a leader is not easy, but you have to show up every, every day. And in Mm -hmm. every situation, you don't get to just pick and choose.
1: Dang. That is so good. So I have I have my athletes come up with like power statements statements that they want to live by like when it's hard when it's easy all the time and a lot of kids like they use a simple like I'm confident like I want to be confident in everything that I do and I always tell them like mine is I am a strong leader and like on the days you know like that I just don't want to show up I'm just tired and all the things mm-hmm. it's important for me to figure out like even even on this tough day how can I still show up as a strong leader I think mm-hmm. that you know leaders are leaders 24 seven, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it's, it's not like you have to be yelling at people 24 seven. I think no. if you listen to this podcast episode, you understand leadership is not that it is so many more things. Yeah. Um, but I really respect that answer. That was so good. So Thanks. good. <laughs> All right, sis. Well, that is our episode for today. Um, I'm so excited that you're back on. I'm excited to see you soon for the holidays. Yeah. Um, and just want to thank you again for coming back on and just being that selfless leader that we had to have on the show.
0: <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I I actually am glad you changed the topic. This was a fun topic to talk about. Um, well,
1: we'll get to the other topics but, too, but this was. A oh fun no, one. that's
0: fine. That's <laughs> fine. But no, this was a lot
1: of fun. So thank you. And if you ever do want to be a coach, I think you'd be a great one. I'm just gonna say that too.
0: Thanks. Oh, I appreciate that. All right, love you. Thanks for coming on. Love you, of course.
1: Hopefully, you got the underlying theme in this episode with Christina. If you invest in your people, they'll invest back in you. And these are qualities that she has learned from her epic coaching staff that she's had throughout the years and also just through her teammates. She invests and pours so much into those around her And without raising her hand saying, I want to be a leader, she was one. And I hope, I hope, I hope this episode resonated. And if it did, and you're looking maybe as a coach for more of your kids to step up and be those quiet leaders or just the leaders by example, share this with them. And I would love to know your feedback. You can share your feedback by writing review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Rating us five stars allows us to reach more people and go up higher in the rankings, which is a personal goal of mine so I can talk to more people in the game and help them grow. This also, this podcast is listened to by other sports as well. And no matter what, whether you're a player, a coach, if you play another game, sport. Or if you're a parent, leadership is something that we all can get better at. And if you learned something from this episode, I would love, love, love to hear what your takeaways were. Invest in those around you. Man, she had so many good one-liners. I think I'm going to end up having to make these posts on Instagram so that people can see them. Especially where she said, you're your best teammate when you're your best self. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And I can't wait to share more with you on the podcast in the coming weeks. All of the links to follow Christina or the episodes that she's been on before will be in the show notes along with the link to sign up for my free hitting and parents clinic at the end of the month. Don't forget friends, stay humble, stay awkward, and don't forget to keep pursuing those big goals of yours They are right around the corner. All right, I'll see you soon on the podcast.